0: Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Hi there. Welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Andrew Dore. I appreciate you spending some time with us today. I'll start out like I do every week and just remind everyone that what you're about to hear today should not be construed as individual investment advice but instead should be considered our opinions on what is driving the markets what are dri- what is driving the economy and we would encourage you to speak directly with your personal financial advisor or give one of us a call to discuss how this might relate directly to your investment strategies so with that let's dig into this week today is i'm sure it's not going to be a surprise to our regular listeners going to be about inflation. I am getting as sick of talking about it as each and every one of you. (laughs) But we had a little good news last week, a little bad news last week, but we had a whole lot of ambiguous news. And that seems to be the pattern for 2022. It just keeps repeating itself week in, week out. We get something positive, we get something negative, and the market goes down a little bit, goes up a little bit, maybe goes down a little bit more. And we just cannot seem to find Square footing for this economy and for this market to take off on. And the markets, the world, really is torn on what this is all going to mean on inflation. On one side, there are economists who believe right now that things will continue to get out of hand. On the other side, there are those that see the worst of inflation and the inflation storm behind us. Last week's inflation data, the CPI data that was released on Wednesday, honestly, it gave both sides of that argument ammunition. If I had to be real blunt, there's not a lot in it for me, for Insight Wealth Group, uh, to take a side on this debate. The downside of being wrong probably far outweighs the benefits of being correct, but we do have an opinion on this, and we're going to walk you through it this week. But before I do so, I think it's important that we walk through the data and the arguments that both sides are making right now, so you have a firm footing on what's going on in the world. Let's dig into Wednesday's CPI report before I dive into it, I want to talk about some terms. And I want to make sure we're all on the same page about what these terms mean. So first of all, the first term is CPI. What is CPI? CPI is the Consumer Price Index. It is a basket of goods or a measurement of a basket of goods and the prices specifically for that basket of goods that the Department of Labor looks at every single month to see if prices are growing or shrinking. Second term is core CPI. Core CPI is that same basket of goods, but it doesn't include the data for food and energy. Why? Because the justification is that food and energy prices are both very seasonal and very volatile due to reasons that may stray from the traditional drivers of inflation. So what do I mean by that? If the United States has a very bad drought, food costs may go up, but that has nothing to do with the state of the economy. Or on the flip side, if there's, I don't know, a war in Ukraine and energy prices go up, that may not have anything to do with the core drivers of the economy. So the Federal Reserve specifically uses core CPI when it is looking to measure inflation. There's also two ways that inflation is measured. Number one, there's month over month. That is the change of inflation that happened from last month to this month and then there's year over year which is the change of inflation over a 12 month period why would those two things be important one obviously you're just looking at a shorter term versus a longer term change but second of all you know there's something called kind of the base case and one of the things we know is that when we were going through the very beginning of covid we had a period where there was very little inflation But last spring was when we really saw inflation start to pop. And so we're kind of getting to this point where there's a balancing out uh, over time because uh, prices aren't going to be able to rise as much from their already risen levels. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So first off, let's just start by looking at what the report said for year over year data. Total CPI, so that's the full basket, including food and energy, grew by about 8.3% year over year in April. So that's from April 21 to April 22, prices were up 8.3%. What's interesting about that? That's actually down from the peak of 8.5% that we saw in March. There's a great chart in the Weekly Insight Memo, which you can see posted in the show notes. You can also see it on our website. What you'll see from that is that food and inflation continue to outpace core CPI, Core CPI came in at 6.2% year-over-year. Year. That was also down from the March reading, which was a reading of 6.5%. So that all seems like great news, right? It does. But the month-over-month month data wasn't nearly as positive. Core CPI grew 0.3% month-over-month month in March. In April, the report that we got on Wednesday, economists were expecting month-over-month month to grow by 04 The actual number? actual number was 0.6%. So core CPI grew by a rate double uh, what it grew last Mar- March, month over month. So that is something that certainly for those naysayers, those negative people on the inflation argument, that is something that was very notable in Wednesday's data. But before we get too excited about that, and we'll certainly talk through everybody's arguments on both sides of this. But before we do that, I think it's also important to understand where inflation grew last month. So we're going to break down a couple areas. First of all, cars. New car prices inflated by 1.1% in the month of April. That was the highest number we've seen since December 2021. But interestingly, used car prices dropped 0.4%. That was the third month that we've seen used car prices drop. This is in particularly notable because i think i said this a couple podcasts ago but used a new car inflation has made up almost 45 48 of all inflation that we've seen in core cpi inflation since this inflation started to take place we are starting to see that drop in used cars we had seen it slow down in new cars and then it popped again in april well why would it pop again in april what happened in april April was tax month, which means it was also the time where a lot of people got tax refunds. Go and talk to a used, or excuse me, a new car dealer and ask them what their biggest months of the year are, and they will tell you they are December at the end of the year and April. Why? People use their tax refund checks to go buy new cars. So it's not completely surprising the new car prices rose by 1.1% in the month of April. Second area of interest, apparel. It's not a huge piece of the core CPI calculation, but it is a notable piece. And apparel prices actually dropped 0.8% in the month of April. That's the first drop we've seen in that area of CPI in the last year. Shelter inflation, also a very big one up there with cars. Shelter inflation grew by 0.5%. We're going to spend some time on that. That's how much a home or an apartment costs to live in. And finally, transportation. Transportation services. This was the big outlier. Please note that transportation services does not include the cost of fuel. Okay, this is not the gas you put in your car. This is the airline ticket you buy. And I specifically relate airline tickets because transportation costs rose 3.1% in the month of April. That was the highest number in a long time. But the big driver in that was airline tickets. The cost of airline tickets rose 18% last month and has now risen 33% over the last year. That is a very big number. All right. Going on all items inflation though, if you include food and energy, so remember core CPI grew 0.6%. All items, including food and energy, we actually only grew at 0.3% month over month. Why? Energy prices fell sharply in April. Uh, we had a dip of 2.7% for energy expenditures. It's been a long time since we've seen those prices decline. Is all of this good news or bad news? It Really depends on who you ask. And I included in our memo this week a snapshot from my phone on Wednesday morning, right after the CPI data came out. I found this fascinating. It was boom, boom, boom from Bloomberg, Yahoo Finance, and Wall Street Journal. You can see what kind of nerdy stuff I watch on my phone. It was three different headlines from the inflation data. The first was from Bloomberg. Breaking news, U.S. consumer prices rose more than forecast in, month, in April. That was the first one. Then Yahoo Finance, inflation decelerates slightly. Breaking news from Wall Street Journal, U- U.S. inflation eased slightly in April. So there was really an across-the-board reaction to this, and it took some time Wednesday for the market to shake out what it really decided had happened. So let's look at both sides of the argument. Let's look at the bad news bears first. And, and to be clear... The bad news bears were certainly the winner in the market this week. The market did not like the data. There was an initial pop uh, when the data came out on Wednesday, but really most of the day Wednesday and most of the day Thursday, the market was down sharply. We did have a nice strong rally late Thursday and into Friday, which got us back up above those levels. But still, we ended the week in the market down 2.41%. And I think that Almost all of that was caused by the expectation of the inflation data Monday and Tuesday, and then what the data actually said Wednesday and into Thursday. The bears on this topic, they were the winners, I think, and they were clearly focused on the month-over-month miss, not the year-over-year beat. Why? Pretty simple. By their reasoning, this means that inflation continues to stick around, and it is probably going to force the Federal Reserve to be more aggressive in raising rates. I was reading an article in Fortune, and there was a quote from uh, a lady, Nancy Davis, from Quadratic Capital Management, and she explained it this way. She said, quote, the combination of elevated inflation and Federal Reserve rate hikes increases the risk of stagflation, which is an awful environment for investors that typically results in stocks and bonds losing value simultaneously. They also view the bad news bears, if you will. They also view the drop in energy inflation as temporary. They think it's a faint. In their opinion, the drop we saw in April was very temporary. And we are going to continue to see rising demand and the war in Ukraine, in Ukraine will continue to drive prices at the pump higher. So they think that all the good news that really came out of the report, which was a reduction in energy prices, in their opinion, is largely not going to last. The real case for bad news here is inflation is sticky, the Fed raises rates, The Fed has to raise rates very quickly or much more aggressively. And by doing so, they shove the economy into a recessionary environment. And we get this horrible mix of both inflation and a recessionary or stagnating economy. That's what the bears think. On the other side of the coin, the case for Calm, those economists, they see that inflation is starting to moderate. They're looking at those year-over-year numbers. They're saying that, yes, inflation is high. But it's peaking, and investors have already, and consumers really, have already baked in these high inflation numbers into their calculus. They would argue that we're going to need to give the Fed time for the rate policy to have an impact on prices. I would argue, along with them, that the Fed can really only impact one area. We've talked about this a couple times. They can only really directly impact one area with interest rate hikes, and that's the shelter piece of it. And it's going to take some time before we start to see that impact in the shelter data. We are getting this week, Wednesday and Thursday, we get the building permits data and the existing home sales data. But we get that data for April. And in April, all we had seen was a 25 basis point hike by the Fed. We are not going to see the May numbers until 30 days from now. And those May numbers will only include about a half a month with the higher rates. So it's going to take some time. For that data to start sifting its way through the economy, but right now a lot of the big banks are falling in this, you know, kind of case for calm side of things. They are starting to say, and they've been saying frankly since you know mid-April that inflation is starting to plateau now, and that it will eventually fall. You, Morgan Stanley said so this week. UBS said it a few weeks ago. UBS was so aggressive as to say that they think inflation will be down to three point four percent by year end. I will take that number all day long. The Fed's latest report said roughly 4% by the end of the year. I'd take that too. It's much better than the 8 that we're currently seeing. We need to pick a side. You know, I'll let you decide which side you're going to pick. But I think that, and I'm not going to surprise anybody that's listening, we've fallen on the side of inflation beginning to moderate for a while. I will admit to you, I think it's going to be a choppy ride. The plateau that Morgan Stanley talked about this week, it could last a month or it could last six months. But even if inflation doesn't get worse, it still wouldn't be great if it remained at these elevated levels for a long time. But it is that comment in the Fortune article about stagflation that really tripped my trigger this week. It really has me baffled. Because I'll admit it, inflation is here. Inflation is here, it's bad, it sucks, it's not going away for a while. But to take the jump from inflation to, to stagflation is a really big leap to take. Because what is stagflation? Stagflation is inflation with a stagnating economy. Do we have the makings for that? My resounding answer to that is no. Why? I go back to the same data that we've talked about, week in and week out. Consumers have cash. Highest levels of cash that we've seen in really 70 years, number one. Number two, consumers are spending less on debt service today than they've spent in almost 40 years. Number two, so there's some margin for safety there. Retail sales continue continue to look good. Consumer spending continues to look good. Remember, consumer spending is 70% of our economy. Earnings continue to look solid. We still anticipate 9% earnings growth this year. So all those things, I mean, yes, they're not going to be as good as they were in 2021. 2021 was a great, awesome recovery year. 2021 was a year in which people were just getting handed cash by the government to go spend it. We don't have that now. But to take the leap from it's not as good as 2021 to we're stagnating is a gigantic leap. And I'd also point out that one of the data sets that we know really well is there have been, I think, 10 interest rate hike cycles in modern times. And in those 10 hike cycles, the market 12 months later has averaged a positive return of 10% or better. That's a big number. And so, you know, the, the old line I've said before many times The worst and most dangerous thing anybody can say when it comes to the stock market and the economy is this time it's different. And, you know, I think that yes, we have a pandemic and I could always find a way to say it's different, but we also have to remember that history often rhymes. So, in the end, I think we're going to have to ride this out. My gut says it's not going to last terrifically longer. We are seeing the cost of inflation in shipping goods dropping. We are seeing durable goods spending dropping. We are seeing used car prices dropping. We anticipate we're going to start to see a little softening in the housing market as mortgage rates rise. This should not last terrifically longer. But I may be talking to you about this again a month or two from now. This story will get older and it's not going to turn around on a dime. But I would remind you that patience in this environment is a virtue. And I'd point you back to a couple weeks ago, the podcast that we did about fear in down market environments is a very important message right now because we need to buckle in. We need to keep our head down and not allow ourselves to be thrown off our path because this thing is going to turn around. We're pretty confident in that. So we'll leave it there for this week. I would encourage you to check out our weekly insight memo in the show notes or on our website at www. Insightwealthgroup.com. If you have any questions, would like to discuss this further. Please don't hesitate to give me or my partner, Andrew Kleiss, or any of the other advisors at Insight Wealth Group a call. You can reach us at 515-273-1333. I hope you're doing well. I hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Securities offered to Arrete Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment Advisory Service is offered to Arate Wealth Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment firm.